every single high GDP per capita country has a significant talent shortage, high demand with, with lower supply. That's the main reason why you see a lot of wage inflation. Where the challenge comes in is, how do we legally employ this chap who's sitting in India or Philippines or Mexico? Real quick note, my family and I just got back from an incredible cruise with UnCruise. Now we'd experienced what cruising was like on a big ship with thousands of people. And frankly, it just wasn't for us. But this one was completely different. It was a small boat of less than 100. We had an amazing time where we saw whales and other wildlife, inspiring nature, hiking, kayaking, and bushwhacking, which is hiking without the trails. And we received incredibly personalized service guides who get you off the beaten path and gorgeous sunsets. Everything was so easy and with no lines. They provided incredible meals, including sustainable seafood, not to mention a list of impressive cocktails. My wife, daughter, and I loved it. When we returned, I asked UnCruise to become a show sponsor, and I was excited when they agreed. Right now, they're offering special deals on cruises in Baja, Mexico, and Alaska that includes the incredible luxury, service, and adventure that we experience. To learn more, go to benleads.com cruise. That's benleads.com cruise for the latest deals. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back to another great episode. Today, I have for you Amrit Singh, who is co-founder at Multiplier, a three-year-old startup company from Singapore, and now operating a team of 400 spread across 50 countries, growing at the high growth rate of 100% per year. And Multiplier, in case you're not familiar with them, is a PEO platform that enables companies to manage payroll and compliance for international teams. They facilitate international hiring without companies having to establish local legal entities. And Amrit, originally started over at KPMG London as an auditor, then moved to consulting with Robert Walters and Corn Ferry prior to setting up Multiplier Emirate. Welcome to lead the team, sir. Thank you so much, Ben. Absolute pleasure to be here. Well, what a ride it's been. I mean, KPMG auditor to consulting with some pretty high-profile organizations, now founding your own. What's that journey been like? Um. Interesting, painful, and and not short of challenges. Uh, I can I can safely tell you that I didn't imagine when I when I joined KPMG that I'll be doing this today. Mm. Um, and also, you know, when I was at Corn Ferry, I thought that was the dream job. Uh, little did I know that there was more. Um, mm. Things change all the time, and and I think that's that's something that we've all learned to get accustomed to. Would you, you know? say that the changes that drove you to sort of jump industries from industry to industry? Were the changes more internal or were they external in terms of your own changes of what you're finding out about yourself or what are the opportunities presenting themselves outside? I would say it was internally driven. Uh, you know, every time, you know, when, when I was in, in, uh, when I was an auditor, uh, you know, I came, I met, I met a person who was in, in, in a consultant in, in a staffing agency. And I was like, you know, why are you making so much money? Uh, what's going on there? <laughs> 
And then as I learned more about it, I was like, you know, I, I, I drove myself towards finding a job there. And after many years, you know, of, of working in, in sales, then it, it came about of, you know, I, I wish I could do things differently. I wish I could find someone to set up a tech company with, especially since I do not have any technical background. You know, you mm-hmm. want to find co-founders who can, who can, you know, fill up the gaps that you bring. Wow. Okay. So it was the idea for Multiplier your own? And then you said, hey, I want to find a complimentary team? Oh, or I don't know. It, it, it was really serendipitous because, you know, it wasn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't come up with the idea. Uh, my co-founder Sagar did. Uh, okay. and, and he came along with, with Vamsia, our other co-founder. They were looking for a third, third partner to set this up with. And what was interesting was that within a split second, I was like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm getting uh, so, you know, when, when an idea comes along that, that you know about, I think it becomes so much more easy mm-hmm. to make a decision. What's the idea or what's the story behind the way that you all met? Um, we Singapore is pretty small, you know, uh, everyone knows each other. And, and you know, one of my relatives was working in, in uh, the same company as Sagar. So I had gotten to know people around and at the same time, the idea that they brought to the table was something that I was accustomed to. Um, and, and it was really about, you know, a talent deficit in, in countries and Singapore, for example, Singapore has a working population of about two and a half million people. Hmm. There are more than a million foreigners doing that two and a half million jobs. So ah. we as a country, we are extremely reliant on importing talent. And then as you extrapolate that towards larger nations, US, Germany, France, Italy, Japan, Korea, you name it every single high GDP per capita country has a significant talent shortage. And it's not so much a talent shortage as it is, you're just paying a lot for talent. Mm-hmm. Simply, because, you know, a high demand with, with lower supply. Um, and that's the main reason why you see a lot of wage inflation in a lot of job functions of the last many years. Uh, you look at software engineering roles in the United States today, you know, it's extremely uncommon to pay anyone less than 150,000 USD. Right. Whereas accountants, you could get. And, and what does that tell you? Is right? Demand supply balances. So the the entire concept was very straightforward. Yes, there are talent imbalances. Uh, it's extremely painful to open up legal entities for companies to hire people overseas. We make it super simple for them. Wow. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny the way you put that. You're like, there's not really a talent shortage. It's just talent inflation. <laughs> Wait, absolutely. You can solve your turnover problem, your talent problem, if you're willing to pay for it. Extremely exactly. high rate wages. And so you guys come in with multiplier and say, no, no, no. We've got a a a, a talent inflation solve solvent uh, solution. And it sounds like it's is that hiring people through Singapore and from other yep. countries, or you're just connecting kind of like a matchmaker between areas that have lower lower uh, wages with ones that have higher. All, to be honest, Ben, you know, what, what's happening today is that mm. we don't suggest talent for people. Okay. You know, we don't do that. Companies find talent on their own and discoverability is largely solved, you know, because LinkedIn is around. There are so many recruitment yeah. agencies. Mm. You know, their discoverability is not a challenge. Where the challenge comes in is how do we legally employ this chap who's sitting in India or Philippines or Mexico? Yeah. And yeah. Companies have zero appetite for compliance and, and risk. You know, they don't want to do that. Nobody, no, no CFO or head of legal is interested in setting up an offshore 
subsidiary mm-hmm. just few headcount and now what do you do about that there's literally nothing they can do about it so they come to solutions like ours and we say hey no problem we've built up multiplier mexico and multiplier canada feel free to employ anyone in those markets um, as well as more than 150 other countries so you're making it easy for companies to hire abroad and take advantage of the the imbalance in wages and so you've got to be experts in a hundred, you have to be a, a hiring and firing expert in 150 countries. Absolutely. So we come in for the compliance, yeah. not so yeah. much on how great a person is performing. We we don't really take a view on that. Uh, but it's really about hey, what do we do when we legally need to employ this person in this market? We take on the risk. Organizations get the benefit. Yeah, it goes to show expertise is worth something out there, and expertise plus making it easy for people, even more valuable. Absolutely. You guys are stepping in with that. And so, and what's been most interesting, Ben, if I may just add, is that over the last couple of years since we launched in the US market alone, um, there have been such a broad range of job categories and companies that we work with. You know, it's not just, you know, big tech companies saying, hey, we need to hire engineers in India or, you know, smaller organizations saying we need a few uh, accountants in Honduras. You know, people come to us for all sorts of situations, whether it's a marketing, support, uh, IT. Um, it's very in- industry and sector agnostic. I'm talking about small restaurants hiring accountants in, in Canada too. You know, it's like okay. anything goes. <laughs> wow. Because it's that simple. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And I think that, well, let me ask you, what, what is a, a job that you think people would be surprised that, that um, is, is is being outsourced or uh, to another country. Fair enough. I, that's the thing. It's not really outsourced. It's just offshore. Or offshore. You know? Okay. Off- yeah, offshore. Uh, to be honest, nothing has really been fully surprising um, other than you see a lot of very senior hires being made overseas also multiple okay. times. You know, tell me more about that. Like, uh, what, like what level are we talking? I'm talking about sometimes, you know, at a at a you know director level, VP levels. You know, just because somebody sometimes is internally driven. You know, if if you know an organization really liked a senior engineer, he just happens to be based in UK. What do you got to do? You still have to use yeah. us. You know? <laughs> yeah, make make it easy for them. They're like, yeah, you want yeah. them. But we don't know no, how but, to do but it. In terms of broadness, I will say accountants, data entry folk, all the way to like renewables energy engineers working on 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 fields in in you know Japan and Korea for GE and Siemens. It's an entire, it's an extremely broad array of, of job functions. Yeah. So what is the vision, the bigger vision for yourself, a multiplier of what's possible? Is it a word? Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What what is it? Like what what is could, it? like how is the world going to be different once multiplier has multiplied itself around mm. the world? Absolutely. Um, two things. I think when you look at organizations, the, you you brought on a very interesting point just now. You know, when companies want to grow, yes, you can grow. You just have to pay more money. But there's, again, so much of strain in terms of how much of revenue you can bring in to pay that mm-hmm. much more money. And, and so this mechanism allows some sort of, a, you know, I would say this releases a little bit of the pressure in that system. So we hope mm-hmm. to hope for the U.S. market specifically, you know, stem the wage inflation, let people start saying, hey, because, you know, wage inflation is what also causes a lot of inflation for your food, gas, rent. Sure. Because hey, 
You know what I mean? People can employees demand it. more money. And exactly. they put their company, their company pays it, they pass it on to the consumer. Exactly. And that's that's what's happening. You see, the reason why rents have been able to increase in all your cities in US is because, hey, companies are paying people more money because mm-hmm. they all have. You know, so it's it's not helping the situation at all. And and the government is struggling to keep inflation at bay. Um, so that is one massive element. The other massive element is, you know, when we create formal job opportunities across the world, you start seeing a lot more stability in terms of governments. So mm. Governments, when we with, with formal job opportunities, you know, governments have more money to build roads, hospitals, and schools. That 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 is something that that we know we we take very seriously. And now the next phase, of course, is how do we build an entire ecosystem of solutions to not just make this easy for you know global employment, but also to facilitate almost all of your HR operational administrative work. You know, stuff that nobody wants to do. How do we? What, what are the main we, countries? What are the main countries that you guys work with today? Um, I will. So we, are, like I said, we we cover 150. 150. Markets. So yeah, you cover a lot. Yeah, but we and we don't tell you where to hire from. Where is so now the question is where do people hire from on their own? And it's been pretty surprising. I would say there's a significant amount of interest for uh, India and Philippines. You know, you're talking about your IT, your customer support, your accounting. You know, HR mm-hmm. roles. And then you see a lot of interest in Canada and UK because Canada is in the same time zone. It couldn't be easier. Um, Latin America is also extremely popular for a lot of support uh, and sales roles. Um, Who are the rising stars? Like the next 10 years, what do you think is going to be? Next 10 years, we will be relying a lot on, um, on African talent. Hmm. That is, that is the next wave. You know, you, you, you see a lot of, um, a lot of younger, younger, talented folks coming out from there. Now, with the level of accessibility that we bring to the table, you will see quite a lot more people who are able to work, able to do really well in, in a lot of job roles uh, coming from those markets. There you heard it, leaders. Get, get Africa on your horizon. And check it out with multiply. <laughs> so let's so let's dive into your career because I think there's a lot more to uncover there. Once a time you had unexpected twist or failure in your career, and how did it lead to your growth or success on down the road, Emirate? Uh, you know, thanks, thanks for highlighting that. Um let me give you something. So before I had the chance of going into KPMG, which was, you know, uh, uh, a typical uh, role, I was, I was in the is in the military in Singapore for two years. And uh, I think that that opened my eyes because, you know, being in a reservist or a national service, is it's not a job you can quit from. You know, you can't rock up one day. <laughs> you You're can't right. rock up one day and say, hey, guys, I resigned. This is too much. You know, you don't have the option for that. And another thing was that when I was in KPMG, I was in the London office. So I was also working as an expat and I had a work visa tied to KPMG. You know, a couple of people who wanted to resign because they could, could. I didn't have that option because it's an expat. If I resign from KPMG, I get booted out of the country. <laughs> yeah. So, again, mm. it's not. So, so I'll say like, you know, the, the first job is something that, you know, you just can't quit from. Mm. And and that that basically is my ethos, you know, is, is how much resilience do I bring to the table to, to you know, get through all of these hurdles and challenges. 
Are you looking to increase sales, grow your brand, and share your leadership message? Then check out our business podcast program. Each week, more people listen to podcasts than have Netflix accounts, and one-third of the U.S. population listens to podcasts regularly. So, your customers and team are already listening to podcasts. It should be yours. Discover our five-step profitable podcast framework and what results you can expect for your company by setting up a 20-minute call with my team at benleads.com slash schedule. That's benleads.com slash schedule. Was yeah. there one moment in the military you're like, I'm done with this. I wish I really could quit or didn't cross your mind? All the time, right? Like who, who wants to hang? <laughs> who enjoys doing push-ups in the mud? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. And so you had to keep going because you're like, this is my commitment. And when you're with KPMG and there was challenging times, you're like, I want to keep living in Singapore. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I guess you were with KPMG, you're in the UK. So yeah, I was in the UK. UK. I didn't like, I mean it's, it's it's one of those things as just working as an expat, right? You're an expat working on a work visa. You can't just mm-hmm. randomly quit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to dig a little deeper, have resilience, and you're channeling that forward to today, obviously. Because y'all we're we're interviewing now, and uh, we we're talking about my New York days and when, when we lived there. And he asked me how long I've been in Charleston. I'm like 15 years. And Amber, I'm like, Amber, how long have you been in New York? He's like, three weeks. I was like, man, so you are, he is getting all over the world. And uh, now he's going to have to deal with the resilience of a startup plus New York City. <laughs> so it could be going to be lively. Yeah. Um, I'll be yeah. Good. You guys are doing great work there. So you all, you're also known for saying, quote, we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot by letting millennials and Gen Zers take the easy way out without putting up a good fight to change the common perceptions. What do you mean by that? Oh, wow. That's a heavy quote. But I think, <laughs> you know, incrementally, um, you know, as I start speaking to senior business leaders, um, I've I've kind of started finding out that everyone is extremely puzzled about how to handle this millennials and Gen Zers wanting to work nine to five jobs, being extremely excited about remote working roles, just because it's, Let's face it, much more comfortable, convenient. It's and in no uncertain terms, it sounds like it's the easy way out. Mm. Now, what that does is that you know versus, you, versus showing up in the office. Versus showing up yeah. office. Okay. You know, taking taking that unnecessarily painful commute, but just to show up, just to show some, you know, um, and and you know, we've been uncovering that, you know, work ethic and discipline is something that is not immediately noticeable. And at the same time, it's not something that people are familiar with. So what I've also noticed is that now, as hiring managers go through interview processes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they don't unpack these topics with, with a lot of uh, the, the newer talent coming into the marketplace. And incrementally, we are agreeing, we are, we are agreeing with them uh, and also trying to, shall I say, mince our words. You know, mm. everybody wants someone who is going to be extremely productive. But now everyone, and, and we are folding, the, the business community is folding too early in, in allowing this to happen. Because what happens is that 10 years down the road, again, you will have a lot of people quitting on you all the time because people are just not resilient. Mm. And that, you know, as, you know, we've everyone has done a lot of studies, right, about what is the cost of attrition. 
you know. Yeah. But it's me included. Yeah. You know, you we we all want to say Hands yes. Up. But now you as a business have done everything that you possibly can to stem this attrition. But now what if the next generation of folk coming into the workplaces have zero resilience whatsoever? All your studies are thrown out the door because now everybody is just going to quit at every single sign of hardship. And you know, guess what? In business, things are up and down every week, every month. You know, things need to be churned out faster than necessary. And it's not a case where, you know, um, we are focused on, you know, extremely large enterprises, you know, like Google, Facebook, etc. Mm-hmm. These guys have extremely deep pockets to maintain a bench of people. But if you look at the average SME, they need a bunch of people who can rock up and sort it out today, right? You go to a business, a, a small yeah. business, you know, a convenience store, a retail shop, you can't have a whole bunch of people just not rocking up because they didn't feel like it. So that narrative has to systematically change and it's only for the well-being of the state and the companies and the people. Everyone needs to go, you know, in, in work in hand to, to say, hey, guys, we need to find a balance on this. Yeah, it's interesting when it comes to work ethic and resistance and being resilient to hard times. Like if you, I've, maybe some people are naturally more resilient and some people are somewhere in between on the spectrum of resilience. But if you've had a role model for yourself, and you see that as a gateway to success, you're much more likely to do it. And if you haven't had that, then maybe you're like, hey, maybe you're willing to cut bait a little bit earlier. And But sometimes quitting, resigning, moving on to the next thing is the best thing for the company and you. And so what's your advice out there for leaders who may be thinking about leaving but like they can't really decide between like, hey, are we in this thing where hey, I need to build my resilience and get through this because there's going to be great stuff on the other side? Or I, I think, uh, maybe maybe not time to leave. No, I, I think for business leaders, that's a very different topic altogether. I would imagine most of your directors, VPs, you know, your senior managers and above, they they are I would not classify them as, you know, the the newer millennials and Gen Zers. Mm-hmm. They've gone through their fair share of, of, of hard times, you know. They would have lived through at least a 2008, you know, GFC, stuff like, stuff like that early on in their career. They, they, they would have seen that, hey, you know, people lose jobs and they, they do need to buckle up and, and get involved. Um, so so with, with, with that crowd, I would say that, yeah, do, do, do take note, uh, understand your, what's the word? That's, that's the best word for it, you know. How much of how much of room you have to negotiate? Uh, or Look, your negotiation power. leverage. That's not a bad yeah, place. To leverage say. and how much of bargaining power you have. Um, that what you do you need. what do you say to leaders who want to instill more work ethic in their team and more resilience? Well, again, sorry. What do you, do we, what's your advice for leaders who would like to instill more work ethic and resilience in their leaders? Ah. Yeah, I think I think it's it's about expectation setting, and and also discussing you know what's in it for them, you know you don't need everybody in an organization to be working nonstop. You don't need everybody to be pulling in hours all the time. You you have to give and take. Some functions you need people to be on the case all the time, and and in those functions people get paid more. So you know 
you want to put things in 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 context for the organization and, and set expectations pretty early. I mean, for example, if you look at a typical sales team, a typical sales team should be working harder because they are getting paid more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and but you may not require the same exact work ethic coming from the you know other functions. And in those functions, then it's more so a case of a give and take of hey, you know, really sorry, you have to pull in a few more hours here, but you know, take next Monday morning off. Yeah, it's definitely a balance. And I like what you said about what's in it for them. Because I think that's the first thing people think, well, you want me to work longer. You say I'm not working hard enough. I don't have much of a work ethic. Why the heck should I care? And if you can speak to it as looking at the continue of their career uh, and talk about how they're rewarded, what what they'll learn, what mm. they'll develop, the grit they'll develop. It's it's sort of like, uh, think about it, when when physicians go through medical training, and they're in residency, and they may often work, at least in the U.S., really long hours. And they finally capped it, I think. But it's uh, the work hours. But it's still leave. really long. You're right. It's still, still pretty high. And some will say, why are they doing that? They're just doing that for the economic system to squeeze more dollars and hours. Maybe yes, but there's also this idea of, well, you have to get so many hours doing the work of being a doctor before they're going to set you loose on your own. And if you're not going to do it in four years, if you want to have shorter days, you may have to go five or six years. So would you rather work six, seven years to have better hours? Or would you rather work four and just get it over with? They'll learn what you need to learn. Exactly. hundred percent. hundred percent. You know, like I think, I think, was it Malcolm Gladwell that brought up that, you know, you need, I think a thousand hours. Yeah. To, to attain mastery. Um, That's his philosophy. And, Some people dispute it. I, I, but I, I don't know when it was a thousand or ten thousand hours. I knew it's it ten thousand hours. Yeah, and and yeah. but but it's quite true, right? And and which is why you know most people in the early parts of their careers do need to put in those kind of hours to get to that level of I mean, mastery sooner rather than later that people yeah. don't know about. How long do you want to stretch it out? Do you want to get your work experience in four years, or you want to get it in eight years? You can probably get it either way, but oftentimes, if you, the four is going to get you to promotion more more quickly, right? Versus mm-hmm. working eight and then you get promoted. Now, does it happen linearly like that every time? Absolutely not. Sometimes you get stuck in a job, and it's not the right fit, and maybe that's time to, to leave. But I think it's thinking. I think it's interesting to think about that compression of its. Uh, Cal Newport, the author, talks about work accomplished equals time plus intensity. Mm-hmm. I have this conversation with my daughter all the time. Like, if you stretch your homework out over a couple hours, you get it done. But you might be able to get it done at half the time if you really buckle down. You're not distracted. Exactly. And, and that's one thing that I see very differently amongst the leaders in the U- United States working population. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, the... The, the the people, I don't know whether you classify them as millennials or so, but those that I would say are in senior positions today, you know, directors, VPs, et cetera, and above, they bring a lot of work ethic and are, are, are willing to, to, to buckle down to get stuff done. And that's probably how they, they rose to those positions in their careers. But oftentimes, you know, you know, when 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 speaking to youngsters, they may start talking about, hey, you know, uh, I'm I'm I've reached this position because I'm skilled. Mm. 
And the same way I, I tell people the opposite. I'm like, no, I'm not skilled, guys. I came here because I just worked longer than the next person. So now, what do you want to do? And then how can you? Sometimes that's the way it goes. And if, you know, I I try to be careful stereotyping generations because I can get all upset. My daughter included, who's Generation Alpha, she's like, you don't understand my generation, Dad. I'm like, okay, I probably don't. But I will say this. If you are working in a role and the people around you don't seem to be working longer hours or putting their whole focus and engagement into it, and you work a little longer, you're a little more engaged, you're raising your hand more, you're going to set yourself apart. So it might be the ultimate differentiator you need to uh, get ahead and get yourself into a position where you can really fly. And, And to be honest with you, even when looking internally and also looking back at all the previous roles that I've had, it is those people that did a little bit more and raised their hands that always got promoted, you know? That that is the only differentiator. I mean, you could you could be very skilled, but I think people have a tolerance mm-hmm. because there will always be someone coming along that is hungrier and equally skilled as you. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 hard to sometimes differentiate on your expertise and your work experience if everybody else has got it. Yeah. So you got to find ways. Relationships, work ethic. These are great ways to differentiate yourself out there in the workforce. Um, so just starting to move this a little bit further down the road, I want to ask you about artificial intelligence because we're talking about you connecting with people overseas, but also some of those, um, offshore jobs. How do you see those being impacted by artificial intelligence? I'm sure you all. Um, no, thank you. Thank you for asking, Ben. I think AI is, is, uh, moving along neatly, nicely. <laughs> neatly and nicely. Yeah. I'd but say that too. it's still going to be a good it's three fine. to five years before it starts, you know, creeping its way into mm-hmm. a lot of job scopes. Um, most organizations use some form of AI to start getting productivity gains on their day-to-day job. You know, so mm-hmm. as, as that occurs, the you know parts of roles will start being automated. Yes, hopeful, but at the same time. Not every organization has the capacity, insights, inclination to start investing in these productivity tools. True. So you don't mm-hmm. see it as a major disruptor for you, for your industry right now, necessarily. Um, I mean, for us, it is not a disruptor because from my lens, all I'm seeing mm-hmm. is that there are not enough AI engineers to build AI tools <laughs> to begin with. Right? You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. We're thinking about, we want to, yeah, we want to help offshore the people doing the AI projects for the companies. That's the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. There's not enough AI engineers in the world today to to start building all of these tools. So there's fundamental. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) We're behind on that. There ain't no doubt about it. All right, so sort of wind this up. What are three success strategies that you'd recommend that all employees follow? All employees follow. Oh, wow. Um, My God. Three success strategies. I think a resilience. Uh, cannot stop talking about it. You know the the world will forever be changing, and and hence, you know, not only resilience. I always expect people to iterate. You know, and and reflect on on yourself and iterate every you know every quarter, every month. How can I do things differently? And and the last part is you know. Um, Try not to compromise on on excellence. You know, there's usually a, a a fantastic outcome that can be achieved. So, 
you know, if, if employees think about, you know, being resilient, iterating, and then this demanding excellence, not just from yourselves, but from each other in the workplace, you know, it, it, it raises the bar for everyone. Hmm. Well, there's your R's. I was, I was like, excellence doesn't have an R in it, but then you said raise the bar. So resilience reflect and raise the bar. <laughs> yeah, then <laughs> indeed. <laughs> We've got the three R's for Amrit. There you go. Amrit, thank you for coming on Lead the Team today. A lot of fun. Thanks. Thank you so much, Ben. Would you or your CEO be a good fit for this podcast? If you know a uniquely talented leader who has a story to share and a message to deliver, then we'd love to host them on the show. Go to benleads.com slash apply to fill out a quick form where you can let us know a little bit about yourself and my team will take a look to see if we're a good fit. That's benleads.com slash apply. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.